Hey everybody, welcome back, Why Bitcoin Podcast. Joined today with Daniel Prince. Danny, how's it going? Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. I uh, dude, I'm I'm excited. You are the host of a podcast I have spent countless hours listening to. Uh it's always weird to me when I get guys like you on my show because I'm like, I've heard this voice for thousands of hours and now I get to talk to you. So it's a, it's a real pleasure and I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks for listening. It's, it's great to hear that people, uh, well, I don't even know where you are, but wherever you are tuning in from, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that I started this project like three, three and a half years ago and the people I've got to meet, the conversations I've been privy to and had the, the opportunity to host that so many people on the, on the podcast as well has been a life-changing event and something I could never have foreseen uh, in my, in, yeah, in my 47 years. So yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me on and thank you for the work that you're doing and giving back to the community and in any way that you can. And it's great to see more Bitcoin podcasts and more creation out there. We need more uh, every day. We need more being launched uh, because we've got 8 billion people to reach and we're not going to do it if there's just a few of us recording conversations. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I agree. I think we need as many podcasts as possible. Let, let me start there then. What was your what was your um, reasoning behind starting your pod? How, how long had you been a Bitcoiner when you started uh, started your show? Yeah, good question. About five years um, and to varying degrees as well, because Bitcoin maximalism, that that term hadn't even been invented back in those days, but I certainly wasn't even close to being described as one of them. I came at Bitcoin for number go up like so many did back uh, back in those days. Uh, I had poo-pooed it and dismissed it many times, probably 2011, 12, 13. I was working in foreign exchange markets. So I did see the news coming across my desk and I did see the news coming across the headlines in the newspapers. And I, I just thought it was internet geek money and nothing for me, nothing to see here. This is all going to go to zero. What are these clowns thinking? Internet money tokens, magic internet money, you know. And um, it wasn't until I left that career and uh, started taking more control of my life with my wife and my four kids. We started to travel the world for two and a half years and I had more time. And in that time, I needed to find a store of value for the the money that I had managed to accumulate after giving up so many hours of my day for 18 years. I didn't want that just to sit there and be eroded by inflation. So found some silver, found some gold, kind of hero's journey, I suppose, into, into sound money, and then managed to, to actually sit down and start reading about and listening to Bitcoin talks and podcasts and things like that that I could find on YouTube. And that fast forwarded through to 2017, getting caught up in the ICO craze and trying to diversify my portfolio and trade in and trade out, fell into all of the fiat um, minefield traps that so many of us were, were falling into at that stage as well. And it wasn't really until 1819 when more literature started coming out. Safe's book dropped, Breed Love's articles dropped, Vallis fired his pod up. Um, Pete went Bitcoin only on uh, What Bitcoin Did podcast. Stefan Levera was doing great work with his. Brady had Citizen Bitcoin. And these guys started shaping my thinking and like, whoa, hang on, there's something, there's something else here. Then Andy Edstrom dropped his book, Why Buy Bitcoin? 
And that was that really resonated with me because Andy came from the same background. Andy came from a financial background, Wall Street background. He'd worked at Lehman Brothers and and Goldman. And I'm like, oh, you know, here's a brother. And he's seeing something that I'm seeing, and he's Bitcoin only, and this is his fiduciary duty to educate his um his his audience, uh, his customers and the people he was looking after, you know, inheritance money and all of that. So that really resonated. And then my my learning curve just started shooting through the sky. And nobody would listen to me, man. Like you guys listening and like yourself, uh, I was the crazy one in the family. I was the crazy guy in the corner of the room that nobody wanted to like even talk to anymore. And I, I found myself like old man yelling at the clouds. And I thought, well, my, my original idea was to start reading the articles in the books and release them. And I remember this tweet vividly. I tweeted, I'm thinking about releasing, uh, starting a podcast where I'll just read articles and read books so friends and family can just listen to them on the train or to work or the bus or you know driving into their commute, whatever. So they can at least get the information. And Breedlove tweeted back at me, and I was like, whoa, that's great. Along the lines of, it sounds like a great idea. I'd love to know what you'd be interested in reading. And then somebody else, just a pleb, come back and said, yeah, Guy Swan's already done that. I'm like, huh? So I went and found Guy Swan. And yeah, sure enough, he's read more about he's read more about Bitcoin than anybody you know, and that is true. And I loved his podcast. So then that started shaping my uh, my learning curve as well. Then I realized well, I've just got to jump on the phones here and, and ask people to like if they'd be interested in recording a conversation, uh, hit record and see what I need to do to to get that released. Uh, I just knew that was the best medium for me to to be able to give back to the space. That was where my particular skill set lied, just having conversations, and that's what led to it. Oh, I, I learned how to upload onto Anchor. That all came later, and it was very simple. And uh, that was that was the journey. I, I just felt that, like you, I, I felt that that need, that urge to to give something back to the community and hope that anybody following me would have a smoother ride than than I did and would not make as many of the mistakes than than many of us did, especially when we got caught up in that 2017 phase. Um, so yeah, that was that was the driving force behind that. That's awesome, man. What what a story. Um, I'm really fascinated in just the transformation Bitcoiners go through. So I kind of want to go back to what your life was like before Bitcoin and how much you've changed since then. But yeah, <laughs> finding out that you wanted to do Bitcoin Audible is straight up. That's hilarious. You probably didn't know who Guy was at that point and you came up with the same idea, I guess, uh, great minds, right? Um, and then also, what was the other thing you said? Man, that's just, it's just wild. Oh, yeah. So I came in in the end of 2020, and for me, it was so easy, like so easy to become a hardcore maximalist because of all the education. So I'm super curious what, what's going to happen this next cycle, how many like hardcore maximalists are going to come in right away just because of the wealth of information and how easy it is to learn to stay away from all the bullshit and just learn about Bitcoin and that's it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate guys like you that, had to wade through all the all the nonsense and try and figure out what was going on here because uh, it helped guys like me. But so my, just, my question- Just on that note, just on that yeah. note, I remember class of 2020 blew my mind. I remember getting towards the end of 2020. I'm like, geez, like the guys that are coming now, 
the, the, the level of their tweets, the level of their understanding is like nothing, nothing I could have ever have conceived understanding uh, within like six to nine months of, of being in the space. And of course, your head boy is Sailor, right? I mean, that's yeah. incredible to, to think that he is only class of 2020. And this is still his and your first cycle. But because Bitcoin time just messes with your mind so much, it feels like so long ago. But it was, it, I mean, literally, what, three, three and a half years ago, not not much time at all. And then you, you see, so yeah, just imagine the, what what level of class of 2024 going to be at, you know, once we have the halving, once all the new people come in, they get come in, they're going to come in like on this retail bubble, uh, this ETF bubble as well. And, and they're going to come and look for the podcasts and look for the books and look for the articles and there's so much there ready for them to, and like you've already added in, in your short time that you've been here. And that's, that's brave because there's a lot of imposter syndrome that is wrapped up in all of this. And especially because we're just plebs. We're not supposed to be privy to this information. We're not supposed to know the true definition of inflation or how usury works or how the federal reserve was formed. We're just not supposed to know that. So when you go out and you you put yourself on the line and you share that and you, you you kind of put in a target on your back, but you are fighting against the imposter syndrome that you know you've you've been taught your whole life through the education system that you know you're not good enough to to teach anyone. You're not smart. You're not uh, you're not able to uh, retain this knowledge and and learn the things that we don't expect you to learn. So yeah, kudos to you, and I'm really excited to see how quickly. The, the new guys coming in in 2024 are going to come down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. They're going to be, they're going to be lubed up, man. They're going to come down like grease monkeys. <laughs> I hope so, dude. I, I wonder because, yeah, I got to, you know, I got to pat my boys on the back. Class of 2020, you look at the, you know, the crazy cartoon characters and uh, class of 2020 is some fucking badass motherfuckers. So I, I'm yes. pretty proud of us. <laughs> yes. It's, it's pretty a great good, class, like, man. Class of 2017 is really cool too, and we appreciate you guys and 13 even more so. But uh, 2020 is awesome, so I'm so curious to see what happens. And like, all the fud is pretty much debunked now. That that was the funniest thing for me is like when I was going down my journey down the rabbit hole. It's like, oh, I have this issue that I thought of in my head. Oh, what about this? What about this? It's like all the answers are there, and now not only are the answers there they're getting more and more concisely answered you know like a simple one like oh if it can be infinitely divisible then how is it really scarce you know it's like there's ten thousand people right away on this like here listen this is how it works this is what's going on this is why it is scarce it's like before there was maybe one or two people trying to explain it i bring that point up because i am an idiot and that one did take me longer than i'd like to admit to understand but once it clicked i was like Oh yeah, I'm a dumbass. And so now people, you know, you can either go that route and just tell people that they're a dumbass, or you can explain it clearly and be like, no, man, it's okay. I understand that it's a little bit hard to understand, but here's why it's still scarce. Or here's why Bitcoin doesn't use 300 swimming pools worth of water for each <laughs> transaction. It's just like the foot is getting dumber and dumber. What That's was the, the other point one? right there? The FUD has switched to like just full on clownery i showed that that uh headline to somebody the other day and they just started laughing i'm like wow okay 
that's the level of FUD. That's how desperate they are. Like every Bitcoin payment uses a swimming pool of water. That's retarded. That's the most <laughs> retarded headline you could ever imagine. And that's there on the BBC. So <laughs> It's so funny, man. Yeah, I uh, one of my friends that I, I somewhat orange billed, he, he texted me with that. And he's like, what the hell? You didn't tell me about this. Like, obviously joking. I was like, yeah, man, we're boiling the oceans and fucking using up all the water. And he's like, uh, yeah, relatively new. It's just it's so obvious now. It's a, It's a good time to be a Bitcoiner and it only gets better and better. Um, okay. Yeah. I do want to go back because one thing that I found extremely curious on my uh, journey down the rabbit hole, as it were, is that so many Bitcoiners, at least for maybe your class or the years before came from a financial background or, um, you know, working with money like you did working in Forex. So, (laughs) and this, sorry if this sounds douchey or whatever, but like, how do you come to terms with the fact that everything you learned, all your time spent understanding how the foreign exchanges worked was, for lack of a better term, completely pointless? Or do you still mm-hmm. feel like there's value there? I think that I think the word is a lie. Everything is a lie. And that is that 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 really hits home. And it hit home with oh man, yeah, it's tough. Like it's tough. And this is why people find it hard to enter the enter the, the bitcoin rabbit hole because you know the the path there is littered with mirrors for you to look into and search your soul and think deeply about everything because if you were born after 1971 absolutely everything has been based on a lie because as you know our society any society any civilization is built on the medium of exchange in which we use to express the value to each other. And that has been co-opted and coerced, I mean, 100% since 1971, arguably since 1914, as we went on to, um, as we exited a gold standard in the UK to uh, turn to the First World War. Uh, You know, therefore, everything is built and based on a lie. And that's really freaking hard because... I had like an 18-year career in finance, in, you know, air quotes, in in a a hot sector uh, and, you know, high-flying international lifestyle job, expatriate in Singapore for 15 years. And you get wrapped up in it. And then you think you, you, you become something you are not. You become someone you are not. You wear a mask every day to work and you're someone different for your colleagues. You're someone different for your customer, for each and every customer. So if you had a list of 10 to 15 customers, you've got to be 10 to 15 different people every second of every day. Then you've got to be someone else for your boss and then you've got to be someone else. You try and be yourself when you're at home, but how can you if you spent 11 or 12 hours a day round jacked up, uh, you know, Many, many of the the top management in these corporate ladder games end up being the you know the office psychopaths. So you, you're dealing with all of that as well. It's such a toxic, toxic area. And when you, so I I come away from all of that without finding Bitcoin. And we we left uh, Singapore, a place we'd lived and called home for 15 years. We'd had all of our four kids there. Uh, my wife and I are both English. And we took them out of the education system and then we started traveling the world for two and a half years. We went in the end, almost three years, just uh, completely 
long-term travel, home swapping our way around the world. And that's when we found freedom. And that's when I found the freedom of time. And that's how I, you know, uh, allocated that time to learning about Bitcoin, but found freedom first and found like the, the education system rabbit hole first and then found Bitcoin and it, they, they're all interlinked. And then you, you like finding the Bitcoin part of the puzzle was like, ah, okay. No wonder it's because the money's broken. Nothing is real. There's no signal. It's all noise. No wonder everyone's freaking confused. No wonder everyone's running at a thousand miles an hour on a freaking hamster wheel just to stand still come the end of the month. It's so obvious now. But you have to go through those dark moments of realization. You have to see the, the dark truth of it before you can start building back up and repiecing it and, you know, finding you, finding yourself and where you're going to fit into the, the world going forward. You know, the next three, four, five, six decades, however much longer you've got. You can be real now. You can really start adding value to something and you can, you can bring your voice and you can bring your skills and you can do that with truth on your side and you can do that in an you know with, with integrity and speak yourself you don't have to hide behind these masks anymore and that is truly freeing and this is what I'm very very excited about to see in the future how how society turns out i mean we have this little microcosm of it and many people come to twitter and they look at it and they like well my god these guys are fucking crazy what are they talking about but they're talking about stuff that they feel they can talk about now, not just because they're keyboard warriors, but because they can actually back up what they're saying with facts and figures and be able to express themselves in a truthful manner. And then when you get to a Bitcoin meetup or a conference or one of these bigger events, that's when you really feel it. And that's when you feel the complete different shift of energy. So you're outside in NPC normie land and then you cross a you cross through these doors into the conference center and the energy is completely, totally and utterly different. It's positivity, it's optimism, it's hope, it's smiles, it's hugs, it's high fives. And it's like, what, what is this world? I want to live in a world like this. Is this. If this is a glimpse of communities coming forward, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. And I hope that more people get to experience that because that is a tangible, tangible part of Bitcoin that really needs to be experienced. Because if you're, if you're stacking, that's great. If you're just hodling, that's great. But if you're not getting out and meeting the other Bitcoiners and having these discussions, you're missing out on possibly the most magical part of this whole journey. That's awesome, man. I, um, yeah, I think it's just, you really have to humble yourself and, uh, recognize that you're the whole, like for me, it was realizing my whole life, you're living a lie. Like you said, you're putting on a mask and then you just realize like, Oh, that was all a waste of time. And then there's that sunk, what's the term sunk cost fallacy or whatever, Correct. where people would be like, they'd rather continue living in the lie than admit that they're doing that and change everything. And that, that maybe that's where Bitcoiners are crazy. It's like, oops, 30 years. Well, shouldn't have done that. Let me try again now, you know? And that's, uh, I think that's one thing where we all have that in common is just that understanding of, yeah, we fucked up. We owned it. We're fixing that problem now. We're, we're changing our lives. We're trying our best to be uh, the people we actually want to be and live in a world that we actually want to live in, wherein uh, most people would rather 
well, I shouldn't say most people. From what I see, most normies would rather just keep living in that lie. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy world to uh, look mm-hmm. into. And then when, when you speak of going to Bitcoin meetups, I know you speak really highly of all these things. And you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you, Daniel. I have been to exactly one uh, Bitcoin gathering of people. I'm in Calgary, which is where uh, oh, I probably shouldn't dox these people. Maybe I'll have to exit that out. Uh, there's there's a lot of Bitcoiners in um, in my area. Anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll edit that. But uh, so I, I went to one meetup and then there's this dude there and he was talking about. So I'm, I'm like, OK, well, let me go talk to these Bitcoiners. And then he's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. I talk about Bitcoin. He's like, oh, I have a podcast, too. I talk about Web3. And I was like, fuck you, man. I can't do this. <laughs> and I just walked. I just, actually, you know what's even funnier, man? I was like, I was trying to be nice. And I was like, all right, let me check out your show. I went to my Twitter. I had my phone open in front of him. I was like, OK, yeah, I'll follow you. And I searched up his uh, handle and I had him blocked. <laughs> So that was pretty great. Um, <laughs> so it's like, oh, sorry, dude. Yeah, Web3, I just block all of that shit. You know, it's just like, I got no time for this. So so that happened. But then recently we have a um, little market that we're setting up. I shouldn't say we, other Bitcoiners. I'm not part of it, but uh, I'm going to go to it. And it's going to be in two weeks time, I think. I should probably actually shill it a little bit. Uh, Bitcoin mar- sat market is what uh, Sessions is calling it. So anyways, I-, I went there a week ago thinking that it was last week and then I got there and nobody was there. So I c- contacted the group. I was like, where is everybody? And yeah, it's, it's scheduled for next week. So so anyways, uh, long story short, I'm going to get to meet a bunch of Bitcoiners in uh, a week or two, which is very exciting. So I'll see if I feel that camaraderie and uh happiness and joyousness that you that you speak of so highly like um all the of all the here this is a question for you of all of the bitcoin meetups and events and conventions which one do you think is (laughs) i don't want to say the best which one did you enjoy the most and why hmm oh uh Sorry, I really I liked uh, th- there was one this year and last year actually. It was such a grassroots pleb event uh, put on in the UK by uh, I'll just say Darren. I won't dox him um, at at this adventure park in just outside of Bristol, and he's done it in the last two years. And it's such just down dirty pleb work, like that you know that it's just a tent. Uh, he, he managed to half orange pill the the owner of the uh, adventure park. People can go and camp there. So plebs would come from all over the UK and got to meet a bunch of really cool Bitcoiners based in the UK doing real great work. I met Joe Nakamoto there two years ago um, before he really started pushing his little videos and documentaries and, and things like that. Um and I just really loved those ones because the the kids come, all the families come, and the kids just go off and run around, look at the animals in the park and uh, play on the swings and the slides and the rides and whatever else that they have going there. And then you just end up like talking to about 3 a.m. around a campfire, drinking beers from like Ben Weeks's pump thing that he's got set up with lightning payments and all these geeky stuff going on and, and drinking cognac and 
straight from a flask that somebody else has bought and just having great conversations, talking about homeschooling, talking about where we're going to be in five, 10 years, talking about building citadels, nerd mining from the dash of somebody's motorhome and like all that kind of great stuff. So that's one that just sticks out for me in the, uh, in the past. Yeah. This year that that happened, but then on the other end of that, on the other end of the scale, You'd have Miami, which is just an absolute freaking zoo, like tens of thousands of people. So that's a special place. That's got a special vibe and a special energy. Uh, BTC Prague this year was really, really good. That went down in June, and that was the first time these, you know, these, these plebs, these brothers, they they live in Prague. They're like, right, we need a conference with a real focus on bringing together all of the European Bitcoin maximalist groups, you know, who are the maxes in Germany? Who are the maxes in Holland, in the UK, in Spain? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? Let's get them here and talking about this so we can all start organizing ourselves. Um, and I'm really looking forward to going back next year as well. They're going to run it again. But they attracted like five, 6,000 people to get out to Prague and they had Sailor come out and talk. So it was great to see sailor come out and and sessions came over as well so it's it's so nice to see the uh you know our, our north american cousins getting across and then riga riga in uh in latvia uh the baltic honey badger is a really special one as well not as big but very hardcore very maxi and we get guys over there from australia big shout out to wiz and izzy that come all the way across it's um it's amazing so yeah, I, I I shill them all. I'm really looking forward to uh, Bitcoin Atlantis on the island of Madeira in March. So if anybody's thinking about coming across to that one, that's that's going to be a pretty special one. Yeah, man, it's just uh, it seems like there's more and more and more meetups and conferences. Like even just uh, yeah, a few years ago, it was like there was Bitcoin Miami and a couple others, and now it's like oh. These guys are at an event every week. It seems mm-hmm. like there's there's a couple in Canada. There's just, you know there's ones all over Europe. It's just nonstop, and I don't I don't see it slowing down. I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. So it's good to hear that the big ones are nice, but it's also good to hear that the uh, the little get-togethers are good. I think I think we need all of them. I think just Bitcoiners getting together seems like seems like a good time. I'm excited to see what that's like. Um, I want to switch gears to, to to use some podcaster speak here uh mm-hmm. to talking about homeschooling world schooling all that sort of thing because i know that's um, a very important aspect of what what you talk about and i'd like to open it with just this question to you is i have a five and a half year old son he's been in a montessori program for a year and a bit uh, my first question to you is I've never heard you speak about Montessori. Do you have any, any thoughts on it or have you, have you researched it at all? And then, uh, yeah. And then I want to move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Montessori comes from, uh, Marissa Montessori, an Italian lady that was, uh, very, Maria, mo- I think, yeah. Maria Montessori. Maria? Well, okay. Yeah. Was, uh, was very much, uh, into in tune with the way kids should be learning and learning through more of a, like a, a, a play, um, learning through doing, learning through understanding, through making mistakes and being in such a, an environment where, where that was okay, rather than being, you know, shackled up in a classroom with 30 strangers, sit down, shut up and do as I say, turn to page 34 and read these four sentences and, you know, the, the usual 
shitty education system that is still somehow functioning to this day. Uh, but I think, and hmm, I don't, I don't know how far they've fallen from her original uh, kind of game plan, uh, and I don't know how much the state has intertwined itself into these, in air quotes, alternative schools such as Montessori or such as uh, Waldorf Steiner, because these, these, um, they they end up having to bend the knee to certain regulations just to stay open to offer the service to the community which is really like this regulatory creep from from the state and i was having a conversation with a lady about this just 2 days ago who's running a sudbury valley style school in the uk southeast in kent it's called the east kent sudbury valley school which sounds like uh, an incredible project we're going to go and check it out next january and take the kids along and, and plug in for like a, a four week semester uh, they open up to to world schoolers. So she was explaining that if that they cannot open, the only way they can stay open and, and offer the truly self-directed education style Sudbury Valley experience that they want uh, is that they can only operate between the hours of 9.30 to 3.30 on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Anything more than that, they would be classified as a school rather than being classified as a learning center. And they would get shut down or they would have to bend the knee and start that horrible compliant regulatory creep to stay open five days a week, but which the state would just slowly erode away the true ethos of, of that school and turn it into something that they actually want. Uh, so I don't know how far away the Montessori system has fallen from that. I hope, fingers crossed. It's still much more towards um, the way that she would have wanted it arranged. Uh, but kudos to you for for not just sticking them into the, you know, the state school because that truly is just uh, hell on earth. Yeah, man, it's uh, you're bang on there because that it was it was advertised as a Montessori program. And <laughs> I talked to one of his teachers, like, so where did you learn your Montessori training? She's like, Oh, I haven't, I, I didn't do any of that. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? She's like, Oh no, he, they do Montessori for like a couple hours a day with the, mm -hmm. the one Montessori teacher. I was like, you motherfuckers. And like, I, you know, I'm paying good money to have this, mm -hmm. my, my kid be, be part of this program. And, and, you know, like, and that that's the reason why so many people put their kids in, in state funded schooling is because it's, you know, quote unquote free. And so when you're <laughs> free, it, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But it's like, and that's, that seems like what's happened is the, these schools that want to do alternative education as it were are being manipulated by the state. And it, it's mm -hmm. just extremely frustrating. It's like you, you, you fucking trapped. You don't have a. You don't have a choice. It's it's so irritating. And I, I like I'm. You know he's going to be starting grade one or be grade one age next year. So I've been listening to a lot of your your shows with different um, alternative educators, trying to figure out what I can do. Um, my next question for you would be then is like I'm. You know I <laughs> I wasn't. Let's just say I like I'm not rich, you know. I'm Bitcoiners. Mm -hmm. I think we get <laughs> we have one year out of every four where people think we're fucking loaded, and then we have three years where <laughs> we're broke as fuck. And the reality is, is like most of us are just you know humbly stacking. I work a, a regular job. I, I save what I can, 
and you know i try and live within my means but the truth of it is is like to i'm so how do i ask this question my question is like what steps can i take towards putting my kid in a school that isn't the state-funded schooling that um isn't gonna completely bankrupt me or you know have to use up all my sats to to do it is there what options are available in that in those uh categories do you know of any that aren't like that's, extremely expensive yeah. that that's a sad reality because you, you very few um very few but and then it, very few people are in the position uh i, I won't assume but perhaps you, both both parents are, are working and therefore unable to be at home with with the child you know 24 hours a day seven days a week um which would be the best option uh, but that's still the scariest option because nobody wants their kid out of school and doing nothing and nobody wants you know and people think about homeschooling like all oh, right it's on me now and i've got to get the whiteboard out and the front of the table and have them sat down at the kitchen table and doing math between nine and ten and science between 11 and 12 which doesn't work right that's that's a state-run school setting. By the way, that's alternative education. That is no way of learning. That's completely alternative to the actual method of learning, which is should be completely natural and at one's own pace. And a five-year-old or a seven-year-old, whatever it is that they're learning, that could be, huh, okay, look, if I flick mud off this stick, it flies in the air. Like, you know, that they're learning something. But we've been absolutely you know, ramshackled into believing little Johnny should be reading at level six by the age of whatever. And if he's not, then he's deemed as being behind. And if he is, then that's great. He's just average. If he's ahead, then he's special, right? It's just absolute, complete and total nonsense. And it's really difficult for us as parents, because we've been conditioned. We got to remember, we're carrying all of this psychological damage that was done to us for 15 to 20 years that we were cooped up in this system and we still have the belief that that is the only way to learn you're not there's no learning going on in that system there's teaching but there's no learning and this is what john holt discovered when he was a teacher himself back in the 70s before he started writing his books you know how children fail and how children learn two of his classics uh so the, when you want to opt out there is nothing other than like the the private all singing, all dancing, all boys or all girls school down the road where they all have to wear a uniform and, you know, it's 20 grand a term, whatever. And they're still learning the same thing, but they're being spoon-fed the answers in a slightly more palatable manner, but they're all still going and gunning for the same certificates. And now you end up paying the 20 grand a year as well as the state taxes to go towards funding the state education, which makes no sense, right? (laughs) So it is a trap and it's been insidiously you know imposed on us and i just i just hope that anybody listening to this understands that you you do have a choice especially in canada and the us if that's where you're listening from you do have a choice to take control over your kids education and if that means just pulling them out for six to nine months just to do nothing and if you can work from home and if they can be in a different room and just doing their own thing and that could just be taking a breather for six months go and let them play video games go and let them watch films go and let them ride their bike in the neighborhood whatever it is and then kind of reassess and just get deep down the rabbit hole of what is self-directed education get hot get hold of 
Peter Gray's book, Free to Learn, listen to some podcasts. I've had him on the podcast. Get hold of Naomi Fisher's book, Changing Our Minds. They, these are leading voices in this space at the moment. And I just had Anna Lorena Fabrega on, and she's gone to a synthesis school. Uh, and again, you, that's a paid school. There is OutSchool, for example. Uh, our kids are using that alongside uh, Cubrio.com. Um, and these are kind of paid models X amount per month or with OutSchool, you pay anywhere between 10 to $15 for a class and or a club. Uh, so even if you're just doing two or three of those a week, I think that's pretty affordable, 10 to 15 bucks for most people. But don't get caught in the trap thinking, I've got to fill this kid with five or six hours a day of lessons. <laughs> that's, that is fiat thinking. That is not learning. That is shoving a fire hose down their throats and trying to just feed information into their tiny little minds that uh, would be absolutely flourishing if they were allowed to concentrate on the things that they actually truly find interesting. And that's, we are examples of that. We cannot stop learning about Bitcoin and the things that are connected to Bitcoin. And it's just lucky for that, for us that we've found a topic that everything is connected to Bitcoin and you can start from the middle here and you can walk in any direction and find something very interesting and learn about that. I never thought I'd be learning about half the things I've learned about because of Bitcoin, because of money. Um, yeah, and I don't know, man. Give it another cycle and hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll be in a completely different position and you can truly exit your fiat job and your fiat system and go find yourself a citadel and a homestead and do homeschooling the uh, the old-fashioned way, community-based, get some uh, get some mentoring coming in, you know, hands-on uh, physical tasks and hands-on music lessons from from people within the community that that's where i think we head in five to ten years time bringing everything back to the community and real practical learning and, and leaning on on each other's unique skills and abilities and uplifting them rather than ignoring them yeah that's that's good to good to hear uh yeah so the so there's lots of different programs out there like synthesis you said cubrio mm -hmm. and out school out school you yep. wouldn't recommend just pumping them full of it. It's just like a hair, check this out. Cause I, I've been looking at synthesis. And so that it's not mm. like, um, it's not like a replacement for a school. It's just a, here's something you do every once in a while with some kids is that's the idea sort of thing. Yeah. Right. So uh, that, that yeah. seems like the, a better way to do it. I'm, I'm curious then what did a, can you, can you explain to me what a typical day looked like to you when you were doing the, the world schooling thing, when you guys were traveling around? Because if I understand correctly, you're not traveling anymore, so your, your life must mm -hmm. look a little bit different now. But when you were doing that, what, what did a typical day look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we when we first kicked it off, our youngest were three and a, yeah, just, just over three, two, three-year-olds, uh, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, and you know, at that age, you're insane. At that age, everything is uh, a learning opportunity. And the fact that we were just bouncing between locations and countries, uh, geograph, you know, geography, culture, um, life skills, uh, that they, they, they were just soaking it all up without us even realizing uh, we, I'm sure we were trying too hard and, you know, probably fell into the trap of, hmm, 
now we're homeschooling, we've got to do this and take some textbooks and all this kind of stuff, uh, which we did. And we would sit down with them and, and try and do math puzzles and, you know, but really simple stuff, not not like, you know, right, sit down, back straight, let's, let, you know, it was like, let's do our math drills, let's do our times tables, now let's go and practically apply this in the in the market. Uh, and w- But with the, the really younger ones, just like reading, reading, just read with them on your lap. Uh, that was, that was a big part of it. And having them experience the highs and the lows, you know, they're around, uh, they were around us all the time and we were in stressful uh, positions sometimes, uh, you know, traveling isn't always uh, sitting on a beach, you know, that there's all kinds of stuff going on and you, you, you're raising four kids at the same time. You're in and out of supermarkets with them together. And you're you're doing everything together as a family. Uh, it was pretty hectic in in some days, um, but then when you did find the the calm, when you were there, got to the house, maybe you're there for a week or two, you could just chill down, get the books out again, and yeah, it it, it wasn't anything too academic. It was more of a focus on soft skills. And yeah, just being around each other. That's awesome. Yeah. Just spending time, just doing, doing what comes naturally, I guess. I, that's what, I mean, yeah, we, I try and read to my son as much as I can, you know, uh, but that's what I wonder about. It's like, what's the best way to spend this time that we have right now? How, how can I make this the most valuable? Because being a Bitcoiner, you're so hyper aware of every fucking second of your life is like valuable and important. Mm-hmm. And, you know it's fleeting and if you waste it or if you do something wrong especially when your kids are young uh well actually you know maybe this is another good question too they they tell you that these young their younger youngest years are so critical Mm -hmm. um being a parent that's been teaching your kids for so long uh do you believe in that do you think that if their first three years (laughs) got fucked up for whatever reason or if you made a mistake do you think that's still fixable i i wonder that about myself because you know like i i remember i remember regular school i remember what i did i remember how it went i remember and i remember questioning like why the fuck am i here what is the Mm -hmm. point of this the problem oh this is what i wanted to talk to you about i wanted to bring up the adhd thing and, and stuff about that but um fuck i had a question before that <laughs> oh yeah yeah sorry my my question uh was about how critical the early years are like i'm i'm worried right now that if i don't do this right don't like set that joy of learning up in my son that he'll never be able to regain it so i'm trying to find ways to make learning fun enjoyable so that he has that um you know want or need or just curiosity for life to keep learning you see so many people that that gets destroyed in them so quickly, especially going into to school. So like, th- that's what happens to kids in grade one and grade two. They're like, oh, learning is boring. I don't like doing it. So now I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are, do you believe in that mentality? And do you think it's something that's fixable or yeah, d- just in general, where, where do you stand on that idea? It's been set up in such a way to, to do that to us. Uh, and it's... Um... There's no question of it. I mean, the, the, the research is out there. If you go and read John Taylor Gatto's book, 
underground history history of American education, you, you figure out. In fact, I'm actually writing a chapter for uh, a new book that Orange Pilapa putting out uh, is going to be called um, I don't know working title Bitcoin and the Social Layer, um, which we are very much focused on and, and shill for Orange Pilapa. I sit on the advisory board there, and it's an app that you can download and find Bitcoiners and find Bitcoin events near you, and it's definitely worth you you paying the three to four bucks a month to be part of that because it's pure, pure signal and very little noise. Uh, so when you study how the education system was put, put into place, and it is there to destroy that love of learning. And if we go back in time to uh, 1807, uh, a a philosopher named uh, Johann Johann Gottlieb Fichte, Fichte uh, German philosopher, uh, he gave a series of lectures in Berlin University, Addresses to the German Nation, it was um, titled. And just to pull a few quotes from, from those lectures, uh, and he was beating the table to reform education in Prussia because of their... Uh, embarrassing defeat to uh, Napoleon at the Battle of Jena. So here we go. This is what he was saying. The schools must fashion the person and fashion him in such a way that he simply cannot will otherwise than what you wish him to will. Here's another quote. It is essential that from the very beginning, the pupil should be continuously and completely under the influence of this education and should be separated altogether from the community and kept from all contact with it and the family, right? And here is another quote. Education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils are thus schooled, they will be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their schoolmasters would have wished. So this was the basis of the new German stroke Prussian system that was going to be, that was that did come to pass, right? He, his ideas won the day and the policymakers went on to create this. Now you fast forward to the mid 1800s in 1843, Horace Mann from the US, he traveled across to Prussia to go and study this system and brought back these ideas. And that's when turn of the, that century, the beginning of 1900s, where you had the uh, the General Education Board set up by Rockefeller and co in a secret meeting, whereby they decided, right, this is what we need, this is how we're going to shape it, based on those ideas of fictus. And you're like, whoa. So when, <laughs> when I say, when you see it, you cannot unsee it. And when you realize what you were subject to yourself, this is why you were sat there bored and thinking, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I being taught this stuff? Why am I being forced to remember pointless stuff that I'm not interested in? And you're just beaten with it and beaten with it and beaten with it for 12 years. And then another four years, if you want to go on and do that university, and this is all the way back to the beginning, you talked about the sunk cost fallacy. Why do you think a university course is four years long? What couldn't be done in six months? It gets made longer to psychologically draw out that sunk cost fallacy because that is a huge chunk of your now young adult life where you're supposed to be crafting this career. So when you leave that university and you go on and you start painting yourself into the corner of this career, you'll never leave it because of the sunk cost fallacy because you got that economic PhD or master's or whatever 
right? And who gave you that? Those that preordained themselves to give you the certificate in the first place. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's certificatory capture or regulatory capture. The whole thing's a farce. And it's, it's madness that we've, we've fallen for it. And it's madness that we see it and then just willingly put our kids back into it. And yeah, like back to your point, you know, can we undo it? I think so. If, if you catch it early enough, I don't think so. If you look at a lot of the NPCs that are just walking around now that, you know, hopefully we can wake them up. I, I, I guess we can because we're awake, right? So something has to jolt them out of like this belief that life is linear and you just get your grades, go to school, you get the 2.4 kids, the white picket fence, the two cars and get your gold watch at the age of 60, 65, and then you're on the golf course and life's a dream. Like that's madness. That's, that's no life. That that's pure serfdom. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say read Naomi Fisher's book because she is a clinical physician and also Gabo Mate's book, hold on to your kids. I actually did a, an episode podcast with Seb Bunny about that book. And what's interesting about Seb is, yes, he's a wonderful Bitcoiner and he's about to release his own book as well, doing great work over at Looking Glass Education. Uh, but he's a young man. He doesn't have kids, but he will never put them into the education system because he read this book called Hold On To Your Kids by Gabo Mate. And that blew his mind because it resonated with so much of his own childhood. And now he could put the dots together. And he's like, ah, okay. That's why I have a certain relationship with my parents, uh, with society, with education, with any siblings, because it's, uh, you, 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 we give our kids over to this state apparatus, which is, I, I believe this is their biggest weapon to control us money goes hand in hand with it but if you can control the minds and then control the money and you certainly haven't educated the minds about the money who was it that said um you know give me a man give give me a boy to the age of seven and i'll show you the man and that's the axiom on which this education system has been set up so it it's yeah it's dark and the, the there is no right answer for for anybody out there and I don't want people getting triggered and thinking, well, it's all right for you because blah, blah, blah. Like you said, you know, we're not all rich and we're not all in a position. No, you're certainly not, but you certainly are in a position to do the research and come to your own conclusions and then make the decisions which are best for you and your family at that particular moment in time. Yeah. Great advice, man. Yeah. I, uh, Thank God for Bitcoin because it, it gives us hope, right? Like there's a lot of guys. The reason I started my show is for guys like me that are just kind of, you know, didn't make a lot of money when they were younger, kind of in this trap and saying like, oh, hey, all you have to do is save a little bit and then you can prepare better for the future. So as much as I say, like, I can't really afford to put my kid in, you know, $20,000 a year private school. And like you said, they're doing the same shit anyways you know, in a generation from now or two generations from now, when my, my kid has kids, he'll have 
you know, a little stack that only will go up in value. And so it, as long as the people are getting richer, like quote unquote richer forever, or at least not getting poorer and poorer forever, then they'll look to be able to find alternative ways to, you know, escape the state um, and be able to, yeah, do things. Just life is going to change a hell of a lot within one generation. I'm so curious to see what happens, but then you also bring up like, can we wake up all the, the NPCs? And I wonder about that too, because when I came into Bitcoin, it, it, you have that moment, right? Where you're like, oh, it's so obvious. This is the, the, the problem and this is the solution. And so for me, when I figured it out, I, I was like, oh, well, I'm dumb. I figured it out. So I guess everybody else will figure it out. But maybe not everybody will figure it out, but Bitcoiners figure it out. So it'll be okay. It'll be an, an I'm, I'm so curious to see what happens in 20 years, man. When the, the kid, like mm-hmm. my kids and your kids are grown up, you know, your, 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 your kids have, my son only knows a world with Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think that's one aspect that a, even a lot of Bitcoiners don't really come to like, aren't grasping. It's like, everything's different now. These kids don't, it's like, uh, you know, my generation, I had a few years without the internet and then the internet was everywhere. You were in a generation where the internet didn't exist until you were like, I don't know, a teenager-ish, right? So, and look at how much the world changed. So I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm really hopeful for that. I think it'll be good. Um, oh, I wanted to stay, <laughs> sorry. I wanted to stay on just the education system a little bit more because this is another struggle I have in raising my son. So this is just kind of a father to a father question that is a Bitcoiner is one of the key issues in the education system, I think, in my opinion, is just the idea that you need to bow down to the authority, whether it is you're the student and the teacher gets to say whether you get to go take a fucking piss or not, or you go to the principal and they say whether you know, you get to go outside for recess or not. It's always, there's somebody that's in charge of you. And I think that's a very ingrained thing so that when you grow up, you know, the cops get to tell you what you can and can't do and, and higher and higher until you realize like, Oh, the, the politicians tell you. So it all comes down to authority. And so in, in my head, you know, I woke up one day, I was like, Oh, authority doesn't really exist. These people are just other people. And so my question to you is being a father you need to have some sort of authority over your kids to let them know like, Hey, I'm trying to tell you what's right and wrong, but you also want them at the same time to question your, your, your decisions and like make up their, their own choices. So how, uh, is that something you've thought of and how do you tackle that issue? Yeah. I get quips back from the kids all the time, you know. And you're like proud of them a little bit, eh? (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, don't listen to me, you little bastards, but also do what I tell you, but also don't do what I tell you. So yeah, I'm kind of curious what what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's fun. It's actually funny when those moments happen, right? Right, it's bedtime. Who are you to tell me what to do? It's like, okay, all right. So, you know, how how far do you want to push this? If I let you stay up till like 3 a.m., how do you think you're going to function tomorrow? And do you think I would be a good father if I just let you stay up till 3 a.m. playing video games with strangers on the internet? What, your, your friends are strangers on the internet? Yeah, you got me again. Right. Okay. But listen, so, it's, uh... <laughs> so uh, your friends are strangers on the internet too. That's absolutely true. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
they're they're fun moments. I like those moments because you you can have those those conversations around it and and always bring it back to it's like well I am trying to parent you at the end of the day I do have a like th- th- this ingrained uh, job to do the best for you and you you have to understand that sleep is very very important for you developmentally like so if you don't have enough sleep you're not going to be able to function tomorrow and that becomes a negative feedback loop and you're going to be in a bad mood and you won't be able to get your tasks done and believe me i i've been there i've done it it's not fun so you have to be able to sleep you got to rest your body this is when you grow your best and this is where your brain resets and so that's the way i kind of like handled that specific one um but there there are a ton of other things um like Go and load the dishwasher. Like, no, I'm not doing it. Why? Uh, because you can't boss me around. Well, you know, just just help out, right? Could you help out load the dishwasher, please? Well, how much are you going to give me? Like, you know, <laughs> what? Well, this, you know, I, I should be I should uh, be rewarded for my time. Well, okay. What did you just eat? Who cooked it? Who shopped for it? Do you think it's good? to be part of a family, to be part of a team, to show that you value this food and you value the time and effort that I put in to go and shop for it and then clean it and that you're willing to actually just stack the dishwasher just to help out like the family unit. How does that sound? Yeah, okay. Like, you know, so they're, they're the kind of conversations we end up in. Sometimes they end up in shouting matches depending on the age of the kid. We we now have 18 and 16 year old girls in the house who have uh, far more uh, righteous answers than, than our 12 year old twins. Uh, but um, yeah, man, enjoy the ride. That's all I can say. You got plenty of those coming at you. <laughs> Just enjoy the ride and try your best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's got some friends that are getting allowance already. He's like, Hey, did you know that kids can make money? I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. So he's learning about that. I mean, I've been pumping Bitcoin propaganda into him since he, since he was like two years old so he already knows he wants the sats rather than he he, he tells his friends at school that bitcoin is better money and uh it's pretty awesome perfect which so is that, that's a fine line as well like allowance or um or actually pu- just helping uh, actually so here's here's the thing allowance we never did allowance because well that's just universal basic income that's socialism that's communism like what why would you get why are you getting money for free and what are you doing with it? Why would you be entitled to that money? That makes no sense. Well, our other, our other friends, they get like X amount per week. I'm like, well, whatever. That's their family. What do they do? Do they do jobs around the house? No, they just get it. I'm like, well, that ain't happening here. Like, I tell you, that ain't happening here because that is a very, very slippery slope. And then we get into the conversation about socialism and how that leads to communism and all that good stuff. Uh, but if you want to go out and do extra chores, if you want to go and mow the lawn, so my son now, 12 years old, he he knows how to mow the lawn. He can work that thing, no problem. And he'll come in and tell me, right, I did that today. I've mown the lawn. All the grass clippings are down there on the compost. Uh, how about 10 euros? I'm like, yeah, sounds good. You want it in want it in sats? He's like, yep. Or some weeks he was like, no, nah, I might go into town with my friends this week, so I'll take some euros. And uh, maybe I'll be able to spend that on some on a sandwich or some crisps or whatever and some lunch and go hang with my friends so that's um that's an interesting one as well and again an enjoyable learning process for for everybody involved 
Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I know that that's what it is, right? It's like, yeah, the kids that get money for nothing. I don't know what you're teaching them. But, and then also getting money for just doing things that you ought to do anyways to keep your mm-hmm. your life functioning. That, that Again, it's like that's that's not how this works. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting teaching. Like, I, I don't know, growing up, I never learned about money. I made so many mistakes with money in my young adult life. It's just insane. So now at least I can tell my kid like, hey, man, if you save it, it will be worth more. You want to buy a cookie right now? Well, you can buy 44 cookies <laughs> when you're uh, a little bit older. So what really makes sense? It's that marshmallow test, right? So yep. it's uh, it's exciting to teach him that. Um, man, I got a lot more questions for you, but maybe I'll get you back again because there, there's so many. <laughs> you, I mean, I've listened to so many of your shows. It's like, oh, I want to talk to him about this, 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 and everything could be like a three-hour show. But uh, I'll, I'll, I just have one more kind of curious question for you that's, kind of a, a softball one, but why did you land on France as your uh, final resting point right now? Yeah. Uh, so this was, this was happening during our, uh, our world trip. Uh, I think at that point where this was mid 2016, we, so we did it the way we traveled. We, we did a mix of home swapping, uh, house sitting, and volunteering for for work in exchange for accommodation and in some cases food as well so like farms in new zealand are a perfect example you can go and work a morning on a farm and they have an extra house on the land and you live in the house and they might throw in some like a free breakfast or something for everybody or deliver you eggs and bacon on the doorstep or whatever you know just to just to say thank you for helping out on the ha- on the on the land in the morning and then we go off and do our own thing in the afternoon uh, so in France, we got a, a house sit opportunity in the middle of France in uh, the region called uh, the Corrèze uh, over summer, July and August. And a guy in the UK had bought this house and listed it on a house sitting website uh, for people to go and, and live in it for those summer months just to keep the house in good upkeep because uh, the garden grows like absolutely crazy. So he needed someone out there mowing the lawn and weeding the garden every day uh so i'm you know put me put me down you know i like enjoy gardening and getting out in nature so no problem he also needed somebody there to he was having a little building project done so to to manage the the letting the builders on site and this kind of stuff and to get his post and keep him up to date on what post was coming in it was really simple and we got to spend our time in the uh, in the Corez region there and that was the longest we'd sat still for two and a half years at that point. So we had two months there and we were doing all the, the great things that, that France offers. We were going to all the little villages. We were going to the uh, the night evenings, long tables where all of the local productors, you can go and buy cheese from this person, meat from that person, bread from that person, uh, beautiful patisserie from, from this person over there. And you've got long tables and you sit around and you chat amongst the locals and and there's music and dancing and in the long summer evenings and there's rivers and there's lakes and you go swimming in the afternoon. Yeah, we loved it. We just vibed with it. It was amazing, all of us. And it was nice to not be moving every week to 10 days sort of thing. So my wife and I decided, well, yeah, why don't we try and find somewhere to rent longer term rather than keep bouncing? And if we could give our kids one thing, one gift in life, what would it be? And we both decided it would be the, the ability to speak another language. 
so we said to the kids, right, we want you guys to learn another language. The only way to do that is immersion. So which language do you like? Which country have you visited that you like? And we'll go and rent a place there for six to nine months. And we'll probably get you into a little program or maybe into a little local school. Let's see what happens. So we're like, yeah, we we like it here. We like it in France. And it'd be interesting to to learn French. So that's what we did. Uh, we We rented a place for nine months in a tiny little hamlet. Actually, that was a house swap. We house swapped there first of all. And the lady was living next door. She had an extra house, which she would rent out in the summer. So we came to a deal where we would rent it for the next nine months uh, in the in the downtime. And they became our neighbors. They were Dutch, spoke French, spoke English, and they integrated us into the local community. And we got the kids into the local uh, hamlet, tiny, tiny hamlet village school, which was Montessori style, like uh, like you were talking about. Not full on, but, you know better than the state education but we were just looking for that immersive experience all we need all we knew we wanted from that experience was the kids to be immersed in the language through uh total um connection with people that spoke the native uh, the native language and they got up to speed very quickly and yeah six seven years just flies past you huh uh they were in that system for about two or three years and then we pulled them out of it, uh, and now we use like the online self-directed education platforms that we were talking about earlier. And I think next year we'll be looking at making a change again. So whether that takes us into the UK or whether that takes us further afield or whether we do a mix again of some kind of world school travel and a few months here and a few months there, all open for debate at the moment. And uh, it, it's it's tough when you when you're in that moment and you're you don't have that stability ahead of you it's it's tougher for i find um talking to other world schooling families around the world it's tougher for the woman uh, a woman naturally likes to have a home base or a nest to use a uh a, <laughs> a chicken analogy uh so that it's that can cause a lot of um unsettling times but when you get through those unsettling times the what's on the other side of you know the 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 experiences that are awaiting us in the future are i know uh, are going to shape the kids in in such a fashion that they're going to be set up in, in such a way in the future that they'll be able to handle any any situation that comes their way because they're going to be so used to change and they're going to embrace change and they're going to embrace problem solving rather than shy away from it, which um, unfortunately kind of happens when when you're just indoctrinated through that you know, education system that we've been bashing on for the, for the last hour or so. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> problem solving. It's like, hey, you did this wrong. You failed. You should be yep. shamed. It's so fucking brutal. Uh <laughs> shamed in front of 29 other people. Yeah, absolutely awful. Just to just to shit on the education one more <laughs> education <laughs> system one more time is uh yeah, you talk about immersing your kids in French. Dude, I'm in Canada. I spent twelve years of my life, forty minutes a day learning French. Mm. Guess how many words I know? Like <laughs> seven probably less than ten. I can say bonjour. That's it. Twelve years of my fucking life. I learned nothing all that time completely wasted it's unbelievable god man 
could go on mm-hmm. about how stupid that like what a dumb way to teach a le- uh, uh, to teach a language is here we're gonna learn um this word today we're gonna learn it's like that's not how you learn a language nope it, it doesn't work at all the only way to learn it is to just yeah put yourself in that situation and i saw that because like kids would come across from um you know there's people like there were kids that came across from all the war countries that were going on in the nineties and they learned mm-hmm. how to speak English in like no time. And I, it, it never really clicked for me. I'm like, Oh man, all these kids are, sp-. and we would make fun of them too. Yeah. Your English is so bad. I'm like, Oh dude, I cannot speak a lick of anything else. And uh, it, it just goes to show. Yeah. Just how dumb the idea that sitting down in a classroom, looking at words on a chalkboard, that's not how to learn it. A language um it's crazy and in in the uk we were forced to learn french between the age of 11 and 16 basically twice a week or something like you know what how from from a person from from an english person (laughs) like what do you like this makes no sense and i remember like you sitting there like why am i learning this language why why would i ever need it when am i ever going to use it and they were the questions that were going through my mind but it's again it's insidiously done like it's done it's just done to confuse the shit out of you and to have you believe that you're never going to be able to you, oh i just i'm no good at languages I, I i you know i tried at school and i'm just no good at languages it's not something i'm ever my brain just doesn't work that way i'm no good at math i you know i i did five years at math that i can barely add 10 plus 10 you know there's no way in the world i'm any good at math and this is this is the secret source of the state education system. This is the weapon they yield over you. This is the PSYOP, the 15-year, well, the 12-year minimum PSYOP, K through 12, is a fucking PSYOP. And it's there to make you feel weak and dumb and compliant. Yeah, I completely agree. So hopefully we can find a way to break those chains dude i uh i know we said we'd go an hour i got one more question i have to ask i'd beat myself up if i didn't it has to do with drugs <laughs> psychedelics you've had um a, a few guys on your show now izzy case in i, I want to talk to izzy i am in dms with him he's supposed to come on at some point i love case and man I, uh, I talk to that dude every once in a while but there's other bitcoiners too so and uh, i used to have a co-host on my show uh that was very anti-marijuana and i kind of told him like hey man you should probably try it and after becoming a bitcoiner he did try it i think i'm allowed to say that i think he said it on the show but uh yeah so it's just interesting the way bitcoin changes your perspective on all these sorts of things and so i'm curious can you just give a little um like where where do you stand on them now are you I think you said you had never tried any sort of psychedelic. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you stand on any type of drugs. How has your perspective changed? Do you have plans on trying them? Do you still think those, those, uh, what would you call it? That group of Bitcoiners are even more out on the crazy scale than some of the other type of Bitcoiners. Where, where do you stand on? <laughs> Cause like, yeah, I'm, I'm deep in the completely insane, crazy. Like, I'm, you know, I look at Case and like, yeah, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like when, when I listen to Case and talk, I'm like, yeah, this, this is exactly what's going on. And I know some people listen to him and say, this guy is out of his fucking mind. But, um, <laughs> which for me, it was like a breath of fresh air when I heard Case and for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I fucking absolutely love this dude. So anyways, yeah, all that to say it. is, uh, yeah, just where where do you stand on drugs, psychedelics, uh, different sort of mind altering 
substances i suppose you could put it that way uh yeah thoughts very interesting and the the other the other pod i did about that was with yoni appleberg who um yes definitely worth a listen to yeah love that guy Uh, too interestingly enough he he's and like a gp he's a he's a medical doctor that shills uh psychedelics to to his uh customers patients same thing i suppose in that system at least um but yeah it's interesting and he he looks at it like this 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 fixes palliative care is the way he comes at it and i totally get it uh it's not something i mean growing up i just wasn't exposed to it uh for whatever reason i don't know that the kids i were running with i suppose we were more into riding our bikes and playing football than uh smoking joints or finding finding cocaine dealers in our in our local town luckily there probably wasn't even any when when i was young i'm sure there's plenty now uh so i never got into 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 drugs at all i mean yeah alcohol would be the the only thing and not even cigarette smoking i ever got into uh so it's kind of eye-opening i i really love learning about it and it makes just so much sense to me that people could interact with nature and get that kind of mind-opening moment of course you know, certain tribes have been using these things as a rite of passage for, for goodness knows how long, you know, I'm sure we've all watched human planet and other, other incredible documentaries about indigenous peoples living out in the bush or the forest or whatever else. And the, the kind of rituals that they go through and what is it? Carve a root and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, I think it would have to be, a really really slow intro for me and uh kind of probably psilocybin or something like that i'd probably be most comfortable with with ever interacting with but no no firm plans uh, i think the the time will present itself naturally and i think it'll probably be or have to be in in a completely natural and uh safe setting around people that you're totally comfortable with um, but yeah, open, open-minded, completely open-minded, happy to learn about it. And, uh, I'm sure one day we'll, um, we'll, we'll get to experience some kind of, I don't even know if trip is the right word or, or some <laughs> kind of journey or some kind of awakening or some kind of experience. Who knows? Right on, man. Yeah. I just wanted to be one more voice in your ear saying you should try it because yeah, I, I, I I'm kind of in, uh, where Vallis says, you know, he he tried some mushrooms once with some guys and then the dose was a little bit too high. And he's like, oh, the world is completely different than what I thought it was. So I'm in that camp. Like, uh, I I haven't done much, but I, I've done enough to kind of see what those guys are talking about. And uh, yeah, you can't. It, it's one of those things where you, once you see, you can't really go back. So I, I think yeah, I think if you're. At, yeah. Look at the quality of the people that are talking about it, right? You know, Vallis as well. Sorry, I forgot to mention John because he's he's spoken to me at length about it as well. Uh, you know, these these aren't crazies. I mean, I mean, Kaysen maybe, but like we're you all know. crazies. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> you, you think they're not? We're all crazies for sure, but uh, in a good way. Yeah. Define crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I remember the first time I met Eric. Uh, I was telling him 
dude, I listened to you and Vallis for hours. I was just out on the potting green, just practicing pots with you two, just banging on in my head, like talking about religion and God and psychedelics and this and that and freaking MK Ultra and fuck those guys. And we got to love Jesus. And like, you're like, you're all over the spectrum. And I love that. I got to have you on the pod. Uh, so it was, uh, it was cool to actually hang with him in, in Miami. And, uh, he's, he really, uh, totally, completely blown away by, like he, he was, cause some of the shit he says, right. You, you think is far out there, but the fact that he's getting great feedback, uh, is, you know, validation to him. And he's another one. He flew out to Riga and delivered a speech in Riga, uh, at Baltic Honey Badger. And he was a little nervous going in and he came off and he was all fired up. He's like, fuck, man, I didn't know I was going to say half of that shit. I hope they don't show that on the live feed and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, people loved it. Chill out. Don't worry. Bitcoin has got you. Yeah, man. Bitcoin has got you. It's good. To, uh, it's nice to be an insane, crazy person and then find fellow insane, crazy people. And so I appreciate you for... Uh, being one of those insane crazy people that I get to talk to, man, I'd love for uh, I'd love to have another chat whenever whenever you want to. It's uh, it's great talking to Bitcoiners. Sure. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, I'll open it up did to you. I, to, yeah, did I um I, I I backhandedly shouted you out in one of my episodes with, with Izzy, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted to bring that in. That that was the one with. It was was it Izzy or yeah it was Izzy it was we're talking Izzy. about yeah so it was that yeah it was Vallis and Gigi because oh I don't know if I told you this but yeah I I made that meme because I had just had Gigi on my show recently and uh-huh. then Gigi was talking to um, Peterson and I was like oh there's my friend <laughs> <It's> like, Gigi, <laughs> such an absolute psychopath is so funny man just it, it it was hilarious to me because I'm not a big meme maker like I kind of. I, my space, I've, you know, you kind of figure, try to figure out who you are in this Bitcoin world. When I came in, I tried to be super ultra think boy. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm not really, I I just make jokes that I think hardcore Bitcoiners will understand. So some of them take off, some of them don't, but that's kind of what, what I do. I like to make jokes that only Bitcoiners understand. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So to see that you brought it up, I was like, oh, yeah, I touched him there. That that was cool. That's awesome. So it's uh it's a lot of fun to to do that and have those little connections, man. We're all we're all Bitcoiners. We're all connected in that that funny yep. little way, and uh, yeah, I just and and you hope that I'm sure you feel the same way. You hope that just one little thing you say, maybe here or there, rings somebody's ear and says, "Oh, wait a second, that kind of connects." Oh, wait a second, and so oh fuck, I had one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. How much yeah. time do you have? Time? <laughs> go for it. Go for it. So you're a big, a big proponent. I mean, the last question you ask on your show every time is if you had one last orange pill to give, who would you give it to and why? And I take issue with this, the whole concept of orange pilling all in because, and I don't know if this is because I'm just bad at orange pilling or because the way I got orange peeled was completely by myself. I didn't have any Bitcoiner friends. I kind of dove in head first by myself and then, you know, found my way through. I, I, I didn't have a, a shaman or anyone. And so with that, I kind of feel like that's the only way you can understand Bitcoin. So do you have like examples of where you were personally sitting with somebody 
you explained Bitcoin to them and then they became a fucking hardcore Bitcoiner? Or do you only have examples of touch points where you just kind of, oh, hey, you should check out because that's what I do. I just give people touch points. I was talking to my barber the other day. I'm like, hey, man, I could pay you and I'll give you your tip in sats today. He's like, all right, sure, let's fucking do it. You know, and I'm like, that's cool. This is one little touch point. And then if you want to learn more, I'll send you more information. But the idea of orange pilling where you're where you are the actual reason for somebody else becoming a Bitcoiner. I don't think that exists. So mm -hmm. do you think I'm wrong? Uh, am no. I just really bad at it? Where do you stand on that idea? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's touch points. And like, you know, like you said, we, we one sentence out of this whole conversation is going to resonate with somebody and you'd never know who, and you never know why it's like, we could read the same book. One paragraph is going to turn my world upside down and you're just going to read straight past it. But another paragraph in 60 pages is going to turn your world upside down, right? We, we absolutely have no idea what it is uh, or, or how or, you know, what what stage of our lives are we in? And it's the same with orange pilling. Um, no, it, it's it's touch points. Um, it's funny, I was at a party, just a bunch of friends in a community, a friend's house, and he's a Bitcoiner as well. Um, but we, we don't like sit there in the corner like this, that, and you know, completely open um discussion whatever was going on uh, discussing the current thing most likely and then one lady just started randomly asking me questions about the podcast and what i do and uh she'd been a school teacher herself and then asking my thoughts on education so that was an interesting interesting one and then that all led to uh the money and, and like bitcoin and lifestyle uh and she spent an hour just pinging me with questions and yeah, touch points, just little, little snippets of information, little factoids, uh, that they wouldn't have thought of before. It's like, Hmm, like the true definition of inflation, right? Well, inflation is an, inf you know, true definition of inflation is an increase in the monetary supply. Leave it. Watch their response. You're like, huh? It's like, yeah, like QE. What do you think has been going on since 2008? Huh. Okay. Then that raises prices on everything because there's more money in the system. So it's just a natural cause. Huh. All oh, right. So how do we stop that? So then you see their, their, the brain start churning and you kind of like let them lead the questioning rather than getting the fire hose out. <laughs> and straight down their neck like the classic meme uh the the guy and the girl in the bar i love that meme uh where he's just screaming bitcoin facts into this girl's eye, ears and like her eyes are like side-eyeing him like who's this fucking crazy and you know that's us that that's that's the mistakes we've made in the past trying to orange pill too many people too quickly um so yeah the the, the idea of having that one last orange pill um being like the the purest of pure pills and i just give it to you and i know it you're going to be a maxi within a day uh yeah it's never going to exist of course it's never going to exist but um we got to keep we got to keep pushing and uh you know bitcoin dies if we stop right that that's the thing we we have to keep having these conversations uh with as many people as we possibly can and as much as we want them to wake up at maximalist that's never going to happen of course look how long it took us right it took us years um 
and you've just got to show the patience and, and just be there and ready to sort of answer the questions um, with humility when you can. And it's going to be it's going to be very difficult going into this next cycle because yeah, you're going to become lucky all of a sudden. Don't forget that you're mm. going to get these messages. Oh, you're so lucky you bought that Bitcoin four years ago uh, <laughs> and held it through 80% drawdowns and, and carried on buying it and up in your own conviction and up in your own education and starting your own project. Yeah. You're, you're very lucky. I can't believe you did this. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, I always kind of laugh at that idea that, that we got lucky. Cause it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm you're right. I did get lucky to find and understand and put the, the work into, to figure out what the fuck was going on here. Uh, I think I'm very lucky and I think you're lucky too, to, get to get to experience this life that we get to live as bitcoiners and it, it's definitely lucky but not in the sense that it was just a, a mistake it was you know we, we made our own luck absolutely it didn't fall from the skies into our laps no absolutely not yeah i know man i uh <laughs> you say it took years to become a maximalist like no man it, it took me <laughs> it took me like a week or two and i was fucking <laughs> crazy I, not even a joke i was crazy but that said like you're right. I haven't, I haven't dealt with that yet. I've gotten, I've only just recently gotten a text from a friend saying, Oh, Hey, do you actually have money in Bitcoin? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Open to talk to it whenever. So those texts are starting to come through. So I am curious how I'll react because I definitely did the fire hose thing in 21. I definitely went absolutely insane telling everybody definitely had my, like, lasers blasting out of my eyeballs when i was talking to everyone and realized pretty quickly that doesn't work at all um so yeah it'll be uh it'll, it's gonna be a fun year man I, I i've been looking forward to this for a long time just to it, just to see what happens is it is fun and uh and, and hats off to dushan actually who's um putting together a, a project which he's launching next year in roatan in the caribbean so if anybody wants to go and check that out, go and follow uh, Dushan Matuska on, on Twitter. It's like, how do we educate the next uh, tranche or wave of educators? Mm. You know, how, how do we get better at educating? Because we did it all ourselves, right? That the, There was no one, you know, we, we dug in ourselves. But how do we, if those people are leaning towards starting a podcast, how do we help them? How do we enable them with the tools to get up to speed, to get up to as many viewers and listeners as possible rather than grind it out for two or three years? How do we help the the wannabe author get published? I think Safe's doing a great job. Like Safe's launched a publishing house. I mean, like, here's a dude four years ago was still a professor teaching Keynesian economics, right? There's, now he's a full-on entrepreneur. He's running his own courses. He's got his own podcast and now he's running a publishing house. Like this is, this is how quick this moves, but he's now enabling writers. So writers can come to the space and they can get published by a guy who's a full-on Bitcoin maximalist and he's going to help them through every part of the stage, you know? So how do we get the next wave of educators up to speed as quickly as we can? And um, that's going to be an interesting interesting to see how quickly we can get this message spread because look how far we've come it feels like a long time but it's just a, a drop in the ocean it, it's absolutely crazy how early we are still and um that i think there's that meme of like the, the cycles uh the halving periods that are to come and it's like you are currently here whoa we're in the third one like, <laughs> like this is 
This is nuts. So yeah, I'm bullish, full of hope, full of optimism. Um, yeah, let, let's fucking go. Hell yeah, man. I know the uh, how early we are is insane. My kid's going to turn 18 on the having year that we go below one Bitcoin per block. So that'll be wow. a lot of fun. Um, yeah, uh, uh, of course, I'll give you a couple minutes here. Shill all the things you want to shill. Tell people where to find One Spinton Pod, your book, all that sort of shit, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for everything you're doing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Princey, uh, SOV. That stands for store of value, which I think is, uh, still, um, where we are at the moment with, uh, with the adoption of Bitcoin. Um, we will, we will turn it into a medium exchange. We're, we're, we're quite a way away from that, but it's going to happen. Merchant adoption is on the rise. You can find my book at choose life. Um, that go, go to consensus network for that Bitcoin book.shop. And use the code BITTEN for a 10% discount. And if you pay with Bitcoin via the Lightning Network, you'll get another 10% discount on that. That is available in English and Spanish. So bitcoinbook.shop. And yeah, the Once Bitten podcast. Go find it on Fountain App, value for value. I'd, I'd you know, love, to, love to have you listening and uh, any feedback is always welcome. And if you're at the Madeira conference next year, First to the third of March, come find me. Going to be there with the family. Bring the family. Bring the the whole family. It's a holiday destination anyway. You you can use the code Bitten again, and you'll get ten percent discount off those tickets. Oh yeah, man, good shit. Uh, I'll say thank you one more time for coming on. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing in the space too. Just uh, making these conversations happen. It's important, uh, listeners. If you made it to this far in the end of the show, we appreciate you. And yeah, like uh, Daniel said. Listen on Fountain. That's the smartest thing you can do because you get sats, you can earn sats, and you can boost sats, which I forgot to read out my boosts again, but I'll do it next episode. That's cool. And uh, <laughs> as, as always, um, yeah, I think the best way to support the show is just share it with a friend. So if uh, you got value out of this, share it with a friend and go listen to One Spitting because that's a badass podcast and share that with friends. Uh, what else do I say at the end of the show? I'll be back. Uh, next week or next month i don't know i used to do a weekly show what is do you have a schedule for your show does it come out every uh, on schedule or do you just do it when no, you do it man. yeah i drop generally about three a week and it's sunday wednesday friday ish but okay. don't be surprised if it you know i jiggle it about um yeah whenever really right on. record and record and ship record and ship let's let's just keep the content going yeah see that's so yeah for a long time i did uh one episode a week and then i kind of realized like okay sometimes you just end up having filler weeks so i don't want to do that anymore i'm hoping to just have really badass guests on with uh, cool conversations so if you're listening look forward to that daniel thanks again one more time i appreciate you and uh as always if ever what do i say oh buy as much bitcoin as you can before the end of the world see you next time <laughs> <laughs>